0: Warriors Plus Minus is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best, the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Look, it's not just sports. Yes, you can go see the Warriors, but you can also go see music events, Theater events, whatever. I think I'm going to take my daughter to see Post Malone, who's coming to Chase Center. Yes, Post Malone. I don't know if I want my daughter there. She's only 12. But she loves whenever his song's come on the radio. I'm going to use Game Time to get my Post Malone tickets for Chase Center. Or that's if I don't get the free hookup. But otherwise, it's Game Time app. Two Taps. Two Taps for Post Malone. I'm going to check out at Two Taps. I wish I could take Two Taps and get out of this concert. I wish I could take two taps and get out of cleaning a house, right? Two taps and be done with Thanksgiving dinner at places I don't want to have Thanksgiving dinner. How about that for two taps? But two taps gets you tickets on GameTime app. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download it on Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute tickets on deals up to 60% off. <laughs> Plus minus? Dang, dang. Oh, what a shot. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus? That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear what said. What'd Perf- you say? Fluffle. Yeah. Plus minus? Yeah, like Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tells the truth. Plus minus? The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. minus? I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in the NBA history. This is a special edition of Warriors Plus Minus. This is your host, Marcus Thompson, and I am flying solo, mostly because I need the personal time away from my co-hosts, Tim Kawakami and Ethan Strauss. But who better to look back at the last decade of Warriors basketball? I would like to say there's a few people better, but you're stuck with me. So here we go. The best way I could think of doing this was going through the timeline. So we're going we're gonna to take a journey through 10 years of Warriors basketball. Uh, and doing this was pretty epic. I forgot about a lot of stuff that I was reminded of. Y'all ready? Let's go. February 10th, 2010. Stephen Curry had his first triple-double. 36 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. He was 7 for 11 from 3. This was key because, you know, Steph didn't, didn't play that well to start his career, and Monte was in the way. But Monte was out this game when they were at the Clippers, and you finally got to see what Steph could do. The Warriors really played six guys that game. It was Steph, Anthony Morrow, C.J. Watson, Anthony Tolliver, Andres Bedrins, and Roni Turioff. Chris Hunter and Devin George played a little bit, but mostly it was those six, and they ran at Clippers. And this was the first time where you were like, yo, this dude, Steph, is pretty good. And after that, like, he kind of took off. After the All-Star break that year, Steph averaged 22 points, 7.7 assists, 5.5 rebounds, shot 44% from three, and he finished second in Rookie of the Year vote. So that was the first time you kind of knew Steph was pretty good. July 9th was a big deal. It was, it, it's not a big deal now, but back then it was a huge deal. July 9th, 2010, David Lee signs with the Golden State Warriors. It ended up being a sign-and-trade. Amari Stoudemire signed with the Knicks. David Lee was a forward with the Knicks, who young forward who kind of like, you know, become this double double machine. So he was the first big free agent to say, yeah, let's go. Uh, and I'm sure something, it had something to do with the six years, $80 million <laughs> that the Warriors gave him. Uh, so they ended up trading him to New York for Anthony Ranoff, Ronnie Turioff, and Kalina Azubuki, current broadcaster for NBC Sports, Warriors TV broadcast. In his last year with the Knicks, David Lee averaged 20.2 points and 11.7 rebounds. And it was his second straight double-double year. So the Warriors were getting somebody who otherwise wouldn't go to the Warriors. And at the time, I remember, Minnesota was in play. But he chose the Warriors, and it was a big deal. Like, nobody chose the Warriors. And I know some people were like, yeah, whatever, is David Lee. Maybe he's just a, a double, you know, it's just empty stats. But at the time, no free agents were choosing the Warriors except, like, Corey McGetty. So this was the biggest one. July 15th, 2010, the Warriors are officially sold to Joe Lacob. I remember talking to him. I was his first interview, by the way. He, he will confirm that. August 18th, 2010, Curry sprains his left ankle in a Team USA practice in Argentina or something. He was on the USA World, Basket, World World Championships team, and he sprained his ankle. It was pretty bad. He ended up playing anyway. But I do believe, this is my belief, This was the start of the ankle troubles. More on that later, obviously. September 23rd, the reign of Don Nelson ends. Joe Lacob's first task as owner of the Warriors is to fire uh, Don Nelson. Technically, it was to sign David Lee because even though he hadn't bought the team yet, he was consulted about that and said, yeah, do it. So Keith Smart was named the head coach. He took over. It was Lacob's call. He just wanted to start afresh. And Don Nelson was gone. Here's the interesting thing: the last two years of Don Nelson's career uh, were were not very good, right? Twenty six wins, twenty nine wins were his last two years. Those two years prevented Nelly from having a five hundred record in his career with the Warriors. It's the only team he he is below five hundred with. He finished his career eleven seasons with the Warriors, four forty two and four forty three. Finished fourteen and twenty one in playoffs. I feel like uh we should part a little liquor for that Don Nelson ending. You know it was a, a critical moment in Warriors history that, that people sleep on? October 27th, 2010. Opening night of the season. This was the debut of this. That's right. October 27th. The Warriors went from 50 Cent. They used to use 50 Cent Get Up before that. And starting, starting in 2010 came the Rusco remix, California Dove Step, which is now part of like Warriors lore. That debuted October 27th. December 8th, remember we talked about those ankle sprains, right? Steph has sprained his ankle a few more times. I believe the left ankle he sprained at Team USA didn't fully heal, and he started compensating. So the right ankle sprain started happening at training camp, which was a month later. And it got to a head on December 8th. This was when Steph had his first phantom sprain in San Antonio, dribbling on the right wing, tried to cut – Ankle rolled, he was done. i never forget his face in that locker room. He looked he looked defeated, he looked depressed. <laughs> he, he, was pre, he was pretty down. He left the stadium on crutches. It was the first time he rolled his ankle without actually stepping on anything. And it's the first time you knew this was this was kind of a, a big deal. But it was his fourth spring of the year. 2011 is the year of management change. April 8th, 2011, Bob Myers was hired as an assistant GM. He was an agent. So he was making this crossover. Remember, they had let go of Don Nelson and Chris Mullen was on his way out. So Larry Riley was promoted to general manager and Bob Myers was made his assistant, knowing basically he was going to get some time to wet his feet and then he would take over. May 20th, 2011. Some would say the biggest move in Warriors history. They signed Jerry West. Jerry West became an executive board member, got a little bit a little bit, uh, a stake in a company, executive board member status, and the Warriors got to have his wisdom in the building. That was Joe Lacob's first big hire, and then June sixth, two thousand eleven. I remember this because it was my birthday, and I remember hated having to cover this press conference on my birthday. Mark Jackson was hired. Listening to that interview, y'all. I was listening to the interview, Mark Jackson's introductory press conference. The glowing praise from Joe Lacob was was funny to listen to knowing what we know now. I mean, he was sold on Mark Jackson. He was, man, he was selling us hard on Mark Jackson. The next day, Michael Malone was hired. I don't know if you remember, Michael Malone was a strong candidate to be the head coach. And there was even reports that he would be a co-head coach. Mark Jackson strongly disputed it, that basically he got the job and was forced to hire uh, Mike Malone as his co. He, He said that Mike Malone was his choice. So we know how that worked out. Eventually, people will wonder if Mike Malone was really coaching and if Mark Jackson was just the motivator. Mike Malone was running the plays. He had the uh, uh, the clipboard and the timeouts, which, you know, was visually made him look like he was the coach. It, it became a big deal. As we know, Mike Malone ended up going to coach at Denver. So uh, that happened June 6th. Now, the Jerry West hire is important because July 23rd, 2011, the Warriors had the number 11 pick and... Jerry West loved Klay Thompson, even though the Warriors desperately needed a big man. I mean, desperately needed a big man. They had no big man. And they had Monte and Steph, so they didn't need a guard. They still drafted Klay Thompson. Uh, A big part of that was because Jerry West loved Klay Thompson. Fortunately for the Warriors, Jimmer Fredette was taken right ahead of Klay Thompson. If you're redrafting that, (laughs) if you're redrafting this, there's no way Klay Thompson falls to the Warriors. Kawhi, believe it or not, ended up going four picks later. July 1st, 2011, the players were locked out by the NBA. This lockout did not end until December 8th, 2011, which did, it did a couple things. Number one is shortened the season and we'll get to why that matters. But remember, Bob Myers was the assistant GM, right? And Bob Myers' first big, first big move, right? This is when Bob Myers was trying to show like he was a move maker. So his first big move was, yo, let's get DeAndre Jordan. Now the Warriors wanted DeAndre Jordan and he was an agent. So he was DeAndre Jordan's agent. So he had to end with DeAndre Jordan. He was going to pull off the coup, right? So here's what the Warriors did. They waived Jeremy Lin. Oh yeah, I should I probably should have put Jeremy Lin in there, right? Does Jeremy Lin make the timeline? I don't know if Jeremy Lin makes the timeline. It was kind of the predecessor for Lin Sanity, You know, maybe maybe Jeremy Lin should have made the timeline. My bad, Jay lin You should have made it. But They were trying to get DeAndre Jordan, so they waived Jeremy Lin. Part of that lockout agreement that ended was the amnesty rule, and teams were allowed a one-time amnesty to waive any player, just take him off the salary cap. You could just remove – you could waive him. And take him off the salary cap. You still gotta pay him, but he don't count against the cap one time. So it was a chance for teams to get up, get from under these huge contracts that they were complaining about in the first place. So the Warriors used their amnesty on Charlie Bell, who was making four point one million dollars and had one year left. <laughs> but they did this because they were trying to get under the salary cap enough to make an offer to DeAndre Jordan. Right? So they also they had made an offer to Reggie Williams, who was a D, a G League, uh, it was a D-League at the time. A D-League called up that they liked, and they offered him, and then they rescinded it. So cut Jeremy Lin, rescinded the offer to Reggie Williams, and amnesty Charlie Bell instead of Andres Beeders, who had a bunch of money left on his deal. It's still it's still one of the things they like, well, how would they do that? So they did all that to make an offer to DeAndre Jordan, and Bob Myers was, was boys with DeAndre Jordan, so this was on, and DeAndre Jordan declined the offer sheet no actually he signed the offer sheet and the clippers matched. that's what happened so they basically amnesty charlie bell for nothing (laughs) and wasted it so but it would actually work out it would work out believe it or not it did december 20th 2011 remember curry sprained his ankle there was a deal in the off season he had surgery for the first time in charlotte he and Then he had extra time to heal on it. Remember, right? Because it was a lockout. He couldn't do anything. He was in at Davidson working out with the team, rehabbing. So five days before the season started, he sprains his ankle again in Sacramento. Just a little. He's playing defense, tries to plant, sprains his ankle. And it's like, okay, this thing is still going on. This is still an issue. December 25th, Christmas Day, was the season opener, which I think should be The standard. The NBA season should open up on Christmas Day. December (laughs) 26th, Stephen Curry sprained his ankle again. (laughs) I know it's funny now, but at the time it was like, oh, my Lord, this dude's ankles are fragile. So it was all downhill after that. 2011 was done with, with Steph's ankle sprain, which leads us to 2012. If 2011 was the year they got the management together, 2012 is the year they finally got the roster together. January 4th. This is big. This is huge. They signed Nate Robinson. <laughs> Steph was hurt, right? So they needed a guard. They went and got Nate Robinson. This, this, people forget how fun the Warriors were back then. They weren't that good, but they were fun. Six days later, Nate Robinson had 24 on January 10th in a win over the Heat at Oracle, all off the bench. And what was born, I wonder if you guys remember this. Remember, like, the Kings made it popular back in their day when they were good. They had the bench mob. And, you know, when they were going to the Western Conference Finals losing to Kobe, they had Bobby Jackson and, and Corliss Williamson and all these dudes coming off the bench. The Warriors created their own version of that. I remember a fan, a reader, came up with a name, and I started biting it. And I, I gave him credit at the time. But So these guys were called the Dubstitutes. Remember, it was Nate Robinson Dominic McGuire, F. A. Udo, Brandon Rush, and Clay Thompson were in. Was in the substitutes. Clay was a rookie. He was not starting at the time, so he was coming off the bench. These dudes were fun, man. Like even though they weren't good, like Dominic McGuire was my favorite. Like that dude was. He was down to fight. He could get you a bucket. Like he was scrappy. Nate Robinson was wild, jumping all over the place. Like it was fun. Clay could get hot. Brandon Rush was pretty good. They were fun to watch. They were the substitutes. It was a salvage. Back then when you were a Warriors fan, that's what you had to look for. You had to look towards like your favorite dude off the bench to get you hyped. February 7th, 2012, one of the best games in Oracle that year and, and, and many years before that. Monte Ellis dropped 48 on OKC. This was big, bad OKC. This was KD, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, OKC. This was OKC that was headed to the finals that year and would lose to LeBron in five. A new career high for the Mississippi Missile, 47. Monte went 18 for 29 on field goals in that game. Check out the numbers from this game. KD had 33, 10, and seven. Russ had 31 and seven and nine turnovers. James Harden had 19 and seven off the bench. David Lee had a triple-double, 25, 11, and 10. Curry had 16, 10, and seven. I remember that game, Oracle was was rocking and KD hit a bucket at the end to, went to 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 like seal it. Actually, it was Russell Westbrook hit, hit really hit the dagger three from the right wing. But that game was lit. I remember that. That's Those are times when you didn't have much to look forward to, so you just wanted a good game. <laughs> and the Warriors were a good game. March 13, everything changed. This was the big trade. The morning of the game, the Warriors were playing at Sacramento, and I had a sit-down interview with Monte Ellis at shoot-around, and he kind of, like, vented his... Bitterness towards the organization for breaking up We Believe. Like he was still mad about it, and that night he was that night he was traded. <laughs> right before the game, he was getting dressed, and then he wasn't getting dressed. Monte Ellis, Epe Udo, and Kwame Brown, yes, Kwame Brown played for the Warriors, were traded to Milwaukee. The Warriors got Andrew Bogan and stephen Jackson. But stephen Jackson, who three years earlier had forced his way out after getting a contract extension, was never gonna play for the Warriors. So the Warriors ended up trading him to San Antonio for T.J. Ford, Richard Jefferson, and a first-round pick. They waived T.J. Ford, kept uh, our Richard Jefferson, and they would later use that pick to get Festus Ezeli in the draft. So not not a bad coup from the Warriors. Of course, that meant the season was done because <laughs> Bogut was hurt. He had ankle issues. Steph was already out with ankle issues. They gave up Monte and Epe, two healthy players, so the Warriors were minus four players. And they got one back who could play R.J. So in in the deal, they ended up losing three players net. And that was a wrap. (laughs) That was the end of the season at that point. So April 24th, Bob Myers was promoted to general manager. April 25th, Steph Curry has surgery on his right ankle. April 26th, the Warriors lose to the Spurs to finish the season. They finish 5-22. After the trade, they finished the year 23-43. and 43. June 28th, arguably the greatest draft in Warriors history. Not because of the—nah, nah, nah let, me, let, me, let, me, let me chill on that. The nine, 2009 draft and the 2011 draft were better. But the draft that changed the Warriors, 2012, June 28, 2012. Barnes number 7, Azizi number 30 with the pick from the Spurs, and Draymond Green number 35. It, th- there you go. There's, there's the three pieces of the future that would, change, that would change the Warriors. This was the interesting part, like looking at this all over again. 2011, the Warriors starting five open tonight: night. Monte Ellis, Steph Curry, David Lee, Darrell Wright, Andres Beards. 2012 is starting five open tonight: night. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, David Lee, Andrew Bokit, Harrison Barnes. That's just, that's a pretty significant upgrade. <laughs> Looking like all right, that's how you change the team. That's, let's go. If if you, if you go retool, that's how you need to do it. How they're doing it now, that's not how you redo it. <laughs> how they did it then, that's how you redo it. Uh, July eleventh, there was another trade: Darrell Wright to the Seventy Sixers, Jared Jack to the Warriors, and some dudes named Edvin Bobcic and Daryl Watkins to. The Hornets, who knows who they are. But the Warriors got Jared Jack out of that deal. July 26th, remember when Kent Bazemore lit up uh, uh Summer League, earned himself uh, uh, a contract to come to training camp? July 26th, they signed Kent Bazemore. August 1st, another big signing, Carl Landry. So, in that, the Warriors lost their substitutes, right? They lost Nate Robinson and Dominic McGuire, but they actually got a better bench out of it because Jared Jack and Carl Landry proved to be huge and on October 31st arguably one of the biggest fortuitous moves the Warriors ever made Steph Curry signed a four-year 44 million dollar extension which would prove to be the biggest bargain in NBA history probably (laughs) and it's paved the way for everything it was Halloween it was before they played the Suns he signed it I'm gonna tell y'all a story I was supposed to get the scoop and I was like, Steph, when you sign, you better give it to me. This is me. This is my scoop. So then when he's actually about to sign, his whole social media team had a plan. So he stopped returning my text. So I called him. I'm like, look, this is my scoop. This is my scoop. He was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You got five minutes. And he gave me five minutes to write a story. I don't even know if I should be telling you all that. I just gave up my source. <laughs> my, my, my source on that one. How about that? All right. December 12th was the arrival of Draymond Green. Yes, he was drafted back in June, but December 12th was when he became Draymond Green. The Warriors were playing the Heat in Miami. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, they were, they were the stars of the league at that point. And the Warriors were getting with him a little bit. Like They were having problems. They were giving the Heat problems. So LeBron said, you know what, let's take over. LeBron started taking over. I think he scored nine straight points. Mark Jackson put Draymond in to guard LeBron. So LeBron is driving on him, and he rustles up this, uh, you know, he's driving, and he muscles in his layup, gets the foul, and he's got some words for the rookie. And then the rookie started talking back. The rookie started talking trash to LeBron. <laughs> and it was like, and we said, I remember we were sitting courtside, I was like, yo, this dude is talking. Why would you talk crazy to LeBron? Like, why would you do that? Why would you poke the bear? Draymond ended up hitting the game winner. <laughs> the Warriors won the game. Uh they toughed it out. And after the game, uh LeBron went to Draymond, gave him gave him some dap, praised him afterwards, said he played hard, he appreciated the competition, and and Draymond was kind of boring that day. Now the Warriors entered 2013, 21 and 10. It was the first time they had won twenty wins before the end of December since nineteen eighty. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I do remember writing that. I remember that being a big deal. Jeez. So here's the interesting part about the Warriors back then. Mark Jackson had them playing defense, which never happened. They ranked top 10 in both field goal percentage and opponents' field goal percentage. So this team that was known for just getting buckets and never guarding anybody was actually guarding these people, and it was working. They were really good. January 24th, David Lee was voted by the coaches as an all-star. Breaking the Warriors' drought, he was the first Warriors All-Star since 1997 when Latrell Sprewell was named. At the time, David Lee was averaging 19.6 points, 10.8 rebounds, 3.7 assists, and shooting 52.2% from the field. And I still say Steph Curry should have got the All-Star (laughs) nod. If you watched watched the Warriors, you knew what was happening. Not that David Lee didn't deserve it, but if I had to pick one, it should have been Steph. And you know what? I think Steph agrees with me. Because he was a little mad after that. February 26th, the Warriors go into Indiana. And David Lee and Roy Hibbert end up in a scuffle. <laughs> Somehow, Steph Curry gets tossed around like a little rag doll by Roy Hibbert for trying to break it up. Lee gets suspended. You know what happens the next night? With Lee on the bench of street clothes and his dramatic debut return to New York. You know what happens? Steph Curry goes in and he drops 54 in the garden. Curry, why not, for three! Bingo! He is in a zone right now all by himself. Yeah, you know all about that game if you follow the Warriors and if you listen to this podcast, you probably follow the Warriors anyway. So you know Steph Curry went off in that game. But it was the start of a crazy second half where Steph played like he had a chip on his shoulder. April 17th, Curry for the first time broke Ray Allen's record. It was in Portland. It looked like for a while he wouldn't get it. Then he went on a surge at the end of the year and really started just draining threes left and right. So the, by the season finale, it was, but a, it was but a formality. He just needed, I think it was like two threes that game in order to actually break the record. Funny part was, guess what the record was? <laughs> I mean, the dude owns the record now for 402 threes. But guess what it was back then when he broke it for the first time? Two hundred and seventy <laughs> threes, so he broke the record that year with two hundred and seventy two. Actually, actually the record was two sixty eight. He finished with two seventy two that year. But yeah, a little measly little, you know, a little measly little weak two seventy two. That ain't nothing. Clay has also broken that record. So if Steph hit, if Steph hit, finished the season with two hundred seventy two threes, he either was hurt. Or he's done. He's washed. <laughs> he's washed as a player. That's pretty much how that goes. April 23rd, 2013. The Warriors got their first playoff win in the Steph Curry era. They had lost game one in Denver. David Lee got hurt in the third quarter. Something happened with his hip or his, like, some abductor. or Something happened. We thought he was done. He would come back later, but he was basically done for that series. And he was he was pretty much done as the David Levy knew him, but he was out. The Warriors lost the first game, so you figured the third-seeded Denver Nuggets would just go ahead and finish the job. But the Warriors, showing their trademark resilience under uh, Mark Jackson, bounced back and won Game Two in a ridiculous display. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson combined for 51 points and made nine threes. They were at Denver. They won 131-117. This is when Mark Jackson made this, at the time, ridiculous but also, in hindsight, prophetic statement. When you talk about Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, in my opinion, they're the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of the game. And I'm a guy that's just not throwing that out there. I followed basketball my entire life. Not only played, covered, but I was a fan as a kid. I watched the great players. These two guys are absolutely off the charts. I remember at the time, people were acting like Mark Jackson was nuts. I remember reading articles were like, "But what about Gail Goodrich and Jerry West <laughs> right? People were talking about that. It's funny how like like now that's not even disputed anymore. Oh, in that game mark jackson sneaky mark jackson uh announced Carl Landry as a starter, a natural replacement for the four, the power forward got lost. you put it in the back and forth, and then right right at like when when the players come out of the huddle after introductions, it wasn't Carl Landry. it was Jared Jack. To this day I'm pretty certain that Mark Jackson was waiting to see who would start, <laughs> who would start for Denver, then he made the switch at the last minute. A little gamesmanship from Mark Jackson. He's a hustler. Guess what happens in the third quarter? You will not believe this. I mean you will believe it, but live you couldn't believe it. Steph Curry sprains his ankle. <laughs> this time it was his left, not the surgically repaired right one, but it would end up being uh, it would end up being a problem the rest of the playoffs. But didn't stop him in Game Two. Game Three, the Warriors handled business at home. But Game Four was Game Four was a big deal. Game Four was huge, mostly because you didn't know. Like you know how you win uh, the 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 team pulls off the upset on the road and they take home court advantage and then they go home and then the better team, the higher seed, usually just like, all right, let me get that back. Right, let me let me get that game you took back. And the Warriors had won game three so game four was where Denver is like okay let me take this back so we can go back home back with home court advantage for game five and they were trying to do it and then Steph Curry on April 28th went off the first Steph Curry explosion he scored 22 points in the third quarter he finished with 31 the Warriors blew him out this was also this was also the debut of the Curry lookaway. he got a three point in the corner shot it, and then turned around while it was in the air and stared down the Denver bench and then ran away. It was the first time he pulled off the look away three. That's crazy. He wasn't even Steph Curry yet. He was Stephen Curry at that point. He was Wardell and he started the look away three. So they go on to win that series. Game five was full of drama. I remember uh, this was the snitch gate. <laughs> this is where Denver went with the let's rough up Steph Curry plan and You know, he had the sprained left ankle, and Mark Jackson, after game five, accused the Nuggets of trying to hurt his ankle, and he said one of the different Nuggets came to him and said, yo, this is what they're trying to do. I don't approve it. It's the same dude from that commercial who, in the basketball commercial, where he deflected the ball out, and he said, yo, ref, it was out on me. It's that same dude who told Mark Jackson, yo, (laughs) they're trying to hurt his ankle, and I'm not with it. We kind of know who that is. We kind of we think we know who went and told him, but it, it was never fully confirmed. And also, there's a very high probability Mark Jackson just made it up to give his team an edge, because that's what he does. He finds a way to give his, give his team an edge. He's been doing it since his playing days. He's Boudini Brown with, with basketball shorts on. That's who he is. So he probably just made it all up. Oh, by the way, the Warriors win that series. They go on to clinch it in game six. It was a struggle. I remember at the end, Denver's making that last push to try to stay alive, and the Warriors could barely get the ball inbounds and get it past half court. But they hung on, and they won the series, and they pulled off the upset of the third-seeded Denver Nuggets. So they go into San Antonio, a place where they hadn't won in forever since Spreewell and Avery Johnson was playing for the Warriors. Game one against Big Bad San Antonio, what happens? Steph Curry drops 44 points and 11 assists. He was hitting some ridiculous shots, but the the Warriors got up 18 points and blew it. They lost. I remember the play because Jared Jack made the mistake. He left. He went to double. Two players, two defenders went to one and left Manu Ginobili wide open for the inbounds. Of course, Ginobili hits the game tying three to send it to overtime. Of course, and then the Warriors losing losing overtime. And I remember after the game, everybody's like, "Well, it was a nice run." The cute Warriors, you know, they had fun. They're a fun team to watch, but now a real team is playing. But, man, let me tell you, there's something about those two light-skinned dudes. (laughs) Those two light-skinned dudes were not having it. And when you went in that locker room afterwards, you were like, oh. And then you got Draymond, obviously, who was, you know, just always the dude he is. And I remember hearing people saying, like, it's done. And I was like, the Warriors are going to win game two. Mostly because the, the Spurs didn't have an answer for their shooting. Like Ginobili and Parker, they they can't do anything with these dudes. Like they they have to they have to mess up their defense. They got to pull a three or four out onto the perimeter, and when they're playing, you know, four out like that, that's probably not good for the defense. So you really San Antonio, if you make them adjust, that's good for you. So I don't know. I just feel good about it. And then Clay goes out and drops 34 in game two. He had 29 in the first half. The Warriors snapped their 30 game loser streak in San Antonio and tied the series at one. So, after the game, here's this quote from Greg Popovich I thought it was polite of them to at least take turns and not be on fire the same night. Clay was unbelievable. (laughs) Gotta leave it to Popovich to give us a great line, right? May 10th, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Curry sprains his ankle again. (laughs) You know what? You know what? I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, I forgot to say this. After game three in Denver, Curry's ankle was bothering him. So he did something he'd never done before. He took a cortisone shot. Before game four, it was still bothering him. So he said, give me the shot. He took the shot, and then he went off. problem with that is you can't keep doing that. <laughs> so he sprained his ankle again right against the, against the Spurs in game three at home, and he's done. He's pretty much done. Bogut was already – had already taken his max of shots to so he could play. I don't know if you remember, but Festus Azili was playing a lot that series because Bogut was still hurt. He started that season late. He It took him a long time to recover from that ankle surgery. That was in April. So when the season started, it was Festus Azili. So he still – he never was fully, fully recovered. And he had, you know he was taking cortisone shots. He, t- he took his allotment of shots, so he was popping pills, painkillers after that, just trying to stay on the court. So game three was basically the wrap on the series. The Warriors were at home. San Antonio won. Steph limping around. Bogut limping around. Mark Jackson was playing basically seven dudes. (laughs) Right? So once they lost game three, that's when it was like, all right, it was a nice run. They were cute. Now the Warriors showed a little bit of valiance. They won game four. Uh, uh, Went to San Antonio for game five and got waxed and came home to game six. But at that point, they they had nothing left. Nothing at all. But they were on the map. They were there. July 10th, a trade happens. The Warriors get Andre Iguodala. Was he the guy who Mark Jackson said told him? <laughs> who knows? So it was actually the Warriors wanted to sign him, but they had to make it. They ended up making it a sign and trade. But first, Bob Myers had to pull off this epic coup of a move. They had to dump the expiring contracts of Andres Biedrins and Richard Jefferson. So they sent Biedrins, Richard Jefferson, Brandon Rush, the 2014 first-round pick and the 2017 first-round pick, the 2016 second-round pick, and the 2017 second-round pick to Utah for Iguodala. And then they also sent the 2018 second-round pick to Denver in a signing trade. But they got got their new small forward. And Mark Jackson started Iguodala and brought uh, Harrison Barnes off the bench. July 12th, they signed Maurice Spates. July 23rd, they signed Jermaine O'Neal, one of the most underrated people in Warriors history, I think. Dude was good. November 14th, what, about six games in? Andre Iguodala made his mark on the Warriors in another epic home game against Oklahoma City after Russell Westbrook hits this crazy three from like 30 feet to put the Thunder up with a a point with 2.3 seconds left. You thought that was over. You thought that was the dagger. And then Andre Iguodala hits the game-winning shot from the right corner. Iguodala, and here it comes. He got it. The Warriors have won on a team-winning shot by Andre Iguodala. That brings us to 2014, January 8th. The Warriors lose at Brooklyn. Why is that a monumental moment? is because it snapped a 10 game win streak and they were so close to being the first team ever to sweep a seven game road trip. The last six of those wins were on the road and they got tired, it was the second back to back on the road and they lost. But at that point you were like, yo, who are these warriors? They're playing defense and winning games on the road. We don't even know these guys, right? (laughs) Who are they? But that's, that's who they became on that road trip. That's when it was like, okay, this wasn't a fluke. They were really good. On that same road trip, the Warriors went to Miami and won. And that was when, that was the game when Steph Curry fam- gave uh, Mario Chalmers the famous Hezzy, the one that LeBron and Dwayne Wade would be on video asking Steph, why you give our point guard the Hezzy? you going to give him the Hezzy like that? <laughs> But, yeah, Steph Curry torched Mario Chalmers that game. Also in that same road trip, Andre Iguodala hits another game winner and runs off the court pointing at a fan who was talking trash all game. So that was an epic road trip. Even though it ended with a loss, the Warriors walked away feeling like they were as good as any team in the West. All right, April 24th, the Warriors lose to the Clippers at Oracle. This was a tough loss, I think. I think in hindsight looking at it, I think this loss kind of doomed the series. They had won game one. They surprised them with game one in L.A., and then they got waxed in game two. And then game three, when a favorite team or the better team, when they lose at home, they normally come back on the road. It's like, all right, let's get our game back. And the Warriors had them on the ropes. They could have won. It came down to Steph Curry at the end of the game. It looked like Chris Paul fouled him. He didn't get the call. The, the two-minute report said he wasn't fouled. But, you know. James Harden would have got it. <laughs> that was later, though. But they lost that game. And I think that was huge. Their chances of ups- upsetting the Clippers kind of went that way because now they had given home court advantage back to the Clippers. And as we know, the Clippers would never lose it. But they almost tried. April 24th, guess what happened? The Donald Sterling tapes dropped. Everything changed. Now, I'm not going to talk about that a lot, but there is a great podcast by ESPN, uh, Ramona Shelburne. did a thorough podcast reliving the Donald Sterling thing. You should go check that out. Game four they played. This was when the the Clippers players turned their shirts inside out, then they left them at half court. But the Warriors won game four at Oracle. And here's the key part. Lost in all of that, Draymond Green started. Jermaine O'Neal had hurt his wrist, and he was playing through it, but he couldn't. And Draymond Green ended up starting, and Jermaine Jermaine O'Neal went to the bench as the backup big. But the Warriors didn't have any big men. Jermaine O'Neal was the only big man. Bogut was out. And Zeely was out. Both injured. Both were out for the playoffs. So the big men were Draymond, Jermaine O'Neal, and David Lee. And with Jermaine O'Neal hurt, it was basically Draymond Green and David Lee. So Draymond started, and boy did he give Blake Griffin fits, fits, starting in game three. And it was like, yo, this dude can play some defense. Of course, uh... DeAndre Jordan had a field day. He was Bill Russell against the Warriors, <laughs> against David Lee and Draymond Green, but it was mostly David Lee. But you learned something there. Mark Jackson was going basically 6 deep. Curry, Clay, Iguodala, Draymond Lee with Harrison Barnes coming off the bench. Like that was the primary rotation. That that's what he that's what learned, that's what worked in game in game 4 and that's kind of what he wrote with and they almost won the series. Game 7, May 3rd, 2014. This was like the the L.A. fanfare is at Staples Center, the whole Sterling thing is hanging over, and what was really happening behind the scenes was Mark Jackson was in his final days, <laughs> and he apparently knew it because he wore an all-black suit with a red with a red tie, and when we asked him why he said because somebody was getting whacked, and we didn't know if he was talking about the Clippers or himself. <laughs> Turned out to be himself, but that game was a was was great the Warriors needed this series and they needed that game seven they learned a lot in that series Uh, One of the things they learned, I remember talking to Alvin Gentry, is Curry was really passive to start this series, and when they got down and he felt like they were about to lose, he started attacking. And I remember Alvin Gentry, who was the Clippers' assistant coach, said, if Steph Curry had two more minutes, he would have beat us, (laughs) because he just started coming downhill and and manipulating the screens and going for it. This was before he was going for it, going for it. This was under Mark Jackson. He was still running offense. He spent a lot of time off the ball, but... He started going for it in that fourth quarter. He had 14 points. A lot of them came from the line. It was a riveting, riveting game. It was, it was an incredible game. Jordan Crawford ended up balling in that game. Remember Jordan Crawford and Steve Blake? And then after the game, there was an altercation. The Warriors were mad in the locker room, stewing over the loss, and somebody walked by and shouted in the hallway, "We don't, it's, it's mighty quiet in there now. So the Warriors, all in their feelings, went to go look for who it was, and they, and they used the back tunnel. To get to the Clippers locker room. They used it before it became known. And they were trying to get the Clippers locker room. Mari Spates, Steph Curry, <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal. They wanted to see the Clippers about something. I mean, it was much ado about nothing. But this is the first time the Warriors had some playoff drama, right? This is it. This, is, this was something back then. I remember we were chasing the story. We were like, ooh, let's find out who, who said it, who walked by and said it. Uh, that was, those were great times, man. <laughs> those were great times. May 6th. Mark Jackson got fired. May 14th, the Warriors hired Steve Kerr. Interestingly enough, the job was available because Stan Van Gundy turned it down. Stan Van Gundy was basically offered the job, but he wanted to be president of basketball operations. And the Warriors was like, nah, we're going to rock with this Bob Myers dude, but thanks anyway. And Steve Kerr had already told Phil Jackson he would take the Knicks job. But then when the Warriors job came up, he was like, hey, yo, Phil, see what had happened was... <laughs> he had to tell Phil he was out. Can you imagine if? And what if Steve Kerr taking that job? Like, forget the Warriors. What would Steve Kerr's life be like? He'd probably be rich. I mean, he's already rich, but he probably would have got all that money and been done after a year, right? He signed his five-year, twenty-five million dollar deal. Would have done like a year and a half of it and got the whole twenty-five. It would have been posted on TV right now, uh, announcing games, collecting checks. This still might be better. July 11th, the worst sign. Sean Livingston. September 10th, 2014, they signed Leandro Barbosa. October 24th is very important in Warriors history. It's a preseason game, the preseason finale, heading into the 2014-2015 season. David Lee hurts his hamstring. November 5th, the season has begun. The Warriors are forced to start Draymond Green. Steve Kerr was not going to start Draymond Green. He said Draymond Green would come off the bench. He was starting David Lee. But David Lee was hurt, so he had to start Draymond Green. November fifth, they had a rematch against the Clippers, the team that beat them in the finals, and the Warriors blasted the Clippers. I mean, blasted them. Steph Curry is skipping around the court. Draymond Green is wagging his tongue all in Blake Griffin's face. I mean, it was a, it was, a, man, it was a changing of the guard. It was a statement. Right, The Warriors had just lost to this team. This was the rematch. And the Clippers flamed out in that playoffs way too early, too. So they were motivated to get back to where they were. And, and it was so clear that the Warriors were better than them that night. That, like, that, that was a changing of the guard. That was pretty interesting. Draymond Green had a career-high 24 points in that game. This is important because if David Lee doesn't get hurt, Draymond Green is never the starter. And you never get to see these. You never get to see how he is in this. December 14th, overtime win at New Orleans. Guess what the Warriors record was after this overtime win? 21-2. and two. <laughs> The overtime win cap was their 16th straight win. This is all with Draymond Green as a starter, right? So when David Lee is finally healthy, Steve Kerr is like, yo, I can't go back. <laughs> Look at this. Like, I'm sorry, David. You're coming off the bench now. This wouldn't have happened if he didn't get hurt, if he didn't pull his hamstring. During that 16-game win streak, the Warriors held 12 of 16 opponents under 100 points. They were playing defense. All right, we're now in 2015. Now we're starting to get to the point where, you know, the current uh, new Warrior fans can uh, feel like a part of the show. You feel me? Matter of fact, you know what? Y'all should just go read my books. Why am I doing this? Go get Golden. Go get uh, KD. And we don't got to do the rest of this. Sounds like a bit. Sounds like a plan, right? All right, cool. Holl- I'm just playing. 2015, January 23rd. One of the one of the great scenes of all time. The Warriors were 34 and six. They had won 11 of their last 12, or 11, yeah, 11 of their last 12. And we were kind of getting to those dog days of the season, where it's like you're heading into the All Star break. They're clearly the best team in the league, or at least you know one of them. They're rolling, and then Clay does that. It was one of the most insane 12 minutes of basketball, really nine minutes of basketball, because he didn't really start going to nine minutes left. And Clay Thompson has 50 and 37 in a quarter. If you have not watched it, you should watch this. And you will not be alone because there's like four videos and all of them have millions of views. There's one with 12 million views. There's one in the NBA, one has 7 million views. Some other dudes got like 5 million views. So you've missed out on that party. April 4th, the Warriors clinched the number one seed. The Warriors clinched the number one seed. They finished 67 and 15. 67 and 15. Man, that's amazing. So the, day, the game that they clinched, it was their 12-game win, win streak. That's how they capped the win streak, was clinching the number one seed. They were playing against Dallas. Uh, so it was like, yo. At that point, we were kind of like, all right, can this team win a championship? Really before that we were thinking that, but as a one seed, the, the road was being set. They get the number one seed. They end up in New Orleans for the first round of the playoffs. Anthony Davis, young Anthony Davis. Uh, the Warriors take game one and game two in Oakland. They weren't tough games. I think uh might have been a challenge in the second one. I think they were they were close. I remember Anthony Davis, I remember Draymond had to guard Anthony Davis pretty closely in the fourth quarter. So, which sets up game 3. Now, this this is a little bit pivotal because this is the difference between a series and handling business and getting it done in the first round. And the Warriors who had gone 6 games, 6 games and 7 games in their last three series, They understood the value of winning a series when you had a chance to win it. So going up 3-0, that's how you went. That's done. That's the ball game. How did they respond to this? They trailed by 20 at the end of three quarters. (laughs) And it was like, all right, here we go. They're going to be engaged in another series. And then they went off. They stormed on a comeback. Livingston was huge. He played nine minutes. He played the whole quarter. He had nine points. Uh, Him, Clay, Steph, Draymond played the whole quarter in the fourth quarter of that game. And, of course, as you remember, Steph hits the corner three over Anthony Davis to tie the game and send it to overtime to kind of punctuate the comeback. And the Warriors won in overtime. They actually should have won that game in regulation because Steph was clobbered. He He was really fouled on that play, and he got up and complained about it. And the ref told him, and I reported this at the time, the ref told him, if you would have missed it, we would have called a foul. <laughs> so the game went into overtime. They ended up winning game four, sweeping the series, handling business like they should have, and that's where it was like, okay, this is this is a team with a championship mission. They're not messing around. So they get to Memphis, right? And Memphis, they won game one, but they lost game two. And you got to remember, at this time, Oracle was a place the Warriors did not lose. They just did not lose in Oracle. So for them to lose a playoff game, That was a pretty big deal. So, and Memphis was really the test of like their will. Like it was their, it was their, uh, their moment that they had to show they were they were worthy because Memphis were ground and pound. They were grit and grind. They slowed the game up. They were super physical. They were big, and they presented problems. Zach Randolph was a load, and Mark Gasol obviously was a load. Tony Allen was just a, a, an incredible defender and harasser of guards, so they struggled and they went to uh, Memphis, May 9th, Game Three, and they kind of they they took it to the Warriors and mostly Curry and Clay they couldn't get it going. Curry and Clay couldn't get it going. Clay was all right; he was eight for thirteen that game, had twenty points. Steph was not good. Steph was eight for twenty one. He was two for ten from three and finished with twenty three points. And this was the same night. Of the Blue City Cafe moment. Steph is in his room. He's he's stewing. He's frustrated. He's 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 lost. He's lost, and he's trying to find his way. And he's frustrated. He's not playing well. Tony Allen is like all oh, – Tony Allen was probably in the room with him, right? That's how to, Tony Allen was guarding him so close. He was probably in the room with him. And Steph Curry was struggling. And Draymond Green and a couple of guys are at – Blue City Cafe, get some barbecue in Memphis, some barbecue and beer, and they call Steph, and he's like, Steph is in the room still in a dream. I was like, man, come get some barbecue with us. And they go down and get some barbecue. And they kind of relax from that. Steph stops stressing. They are kind of reminded that how good they are. And they go into Memphis and blast the Grizzlies in Game 4. I mean, handle the Memphis Grizzlies. May 11th, 2015. Curry has 33 points, 11 for 22 shooting, 4 for 9 from 3 with 8 rebounds and 5 assists. Draymond Green with 16 points, 10 rebounds. Man, looking at some of these numbers, yo. Draymond Green used to get buckets. Like, he needs to go look. He needs to listen to this podcast or he needs to, like, follow this 10 years. Draymond used to get buckets, yo. More on that later. He can't score now, but, man, he used to get buckets. And they just shut down the Grizzlies, though. They made a defensive switch. They put Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen, who's a notoriously poor shooter, and Bogut just sagged off, and he was able to clog the lane, and they gave Tony Allen all the jumpers he wanted. Memphis had no counter. Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes basically guarded Marcus. Gasol, and Harrison Barnes fronted him while Draymond Green played the back, and that was their, that was their game plan, and, and it worked like a charm. It worked like a charm. So... Warriors' defense held the Memphis Grizzlies in games 4 and 5 to 84 points and 75 points. They couldn't even get 85 on the Warriors' defense. That series was over after game 4 because once the Warriors figured you out, at that time, you were done. And Memphis was done. They didn't win again. The Warriors won in 6. May 24th, the next big game, was game 2. you know. Let's go May 21st. May 21st, game 2 in Houston. I remember James Harden was unstoppable that game. He had 38 points, but, man, he was, getting, he was getting wherever he wanted. He was getting every shot he wanted. Steph didn't. Steph was struggling that game. They had Trevor Ariza. They had these long wings who could kind of shadow him all over the court. The Warriors had eked out game one, and it looked like game two. It looked like the Rockets were going to pull it out because James Harden was unstoppable. I'm sorry, Steph struggled in game one. Game two, he was good. He had 33. It was Clay who struggled in game two. Clay was six for 15, one for seven from three. But it came down, final seconds. Warriors up one. James Harden got the ball. He's coming down court. They have not been able to stop him all game. They spring a trap on him. Stephen Clay, at the last minute, he turns over the ball and the Warriors win. And James Harden laid on the court of Oracle with his face in the hardwood, knowing the, knowing the game slipped away. This was important because, once again, the Warriors were in position to issue the dagger and end the series early, Game 3. So guess what they did? They won by 35. (laughs) Steph completely obliterated them. He had 40 points (laughs) on 19 shots. (laughs) That's insane. He was 7 for 9 from 3. I mean, it was a disaster. He He was taunting... A player, uh, a fan, while he did him and a fan was talking trash. So he hit a corner three and then turn around and talk to the fan. Like that's how, like he he was he was just on that game and it was, it was over. It was, it was just done. They just ended them that night. Uh, the next game, Houston won. That's when Curry fell on his head. <laughs> Houston won. He came back into that game. Warriors actually low key almost won that game. They actually came back, uh, but then Houston pulled away at the end. But they ended it in game five. Now, people always rip on Harrison Barnes, but you're going to say this about Harrison Barnes. May 27th, 2015, Harrison Barnes had 14 points in the fourth quarter of game five, and the Warriors clinched their first. Western Conference Finals since 1975. And that was one of them games where it was like the Warriors were nervous. They were shaky. They couldn't get the ball up the court. They were panicking a little bit. Houston was playing that we don't want to die type of play where it's like we're going to go all out. And the Warriors were shaky. And you know who settled them? Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes came up big in that game. Let's not forget that. Harrison Barnes was huge that game. 13 in the fourth quarter of Game 5. All right, Warriors now in the NBA Finals 2015. Now now it gets to be like, yo, are the Warriors really about to do this? June 4th, 2015 is the next date on this timeline. Game 1, it is a nail-biter. The Cavaliers, led by LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, are already without Kevin Love. He got his shoulder popped out by Kelly Olenek, I think. Uh, on the arm bar, <laughs> and he was out for the rest of the playoffs. So they're already down, Kevin Love, and it was a nil, but it was, I mean, it was it was close. That game was riveting back and forth, and Kyrie ends up hurting his knee, and is lost for the series. The Warriors end up winning the game. Uh, I remember the Iman Shumpert three from the corner that looked like it was going in for the game winner, but it didn't. I remember Steve Kerr saying, he thought it was in, like he was ready to get his heart broken. But it didn't go in. Steph finished with 26, 10 for 20 shooting. Clay Thompson had 21, a 5 for 40. Everything else was kind of a struggle. Igadala had 15 points off the bench, 6 for 8. The real story was LeBron James was ridiculous. 44 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, he was, however, 18 for 38. From the field he took 38 shots in game one and they lost <laughs> so it, it was just getting epic now obviously we could go every game is a major moment in warriors history over this decade every time they took the court from this point on is a significant moment game three is the next one that i'm going to go to simply because it was their first road game now the warriors lost game two in overtime steph struggled They couldn't score. I just remember they couldn't score. It was a struggle to to get a bucket, if I remember that game correctly. Overtime, 93-95. Yeah, so they couldn't get 100 even with overtime. Nobody could score. LeBron had 39-16-11. Timofey Moskov, playing himself into $64 million, had 17-11 and that game. Klay Thompson went off. He had 34. Klay Thompson, 14 for 28. Gee, 28 shots for Klay. Uh, Steph was five for twenty-three. He was two for fifteen from three. Matthew Dellavedova, St. Mary's product, was being held as the stopper. They started building the Delhi dome after game two. <laughs> this was like this was epic. But game three, and the Warriors were down big, was a significant shift because down already, this game the game was pretty much over. Steve Kerr dusted off David Lee, and the Warriors started doing running the high pick and roll. And it freed Steph up. I believe, and I'm right about this, it was Steve Kerr who shackled Steph Curry. <laughs> For some reason or another, they just he just didn't let Steph uh, go one-on-one. He didn't let Steph go ISO. And Steph was always trying, just basically generating the movement. He wanted to use Steph to generate the ball movement. And you know Steph was a a magnet with gravity so wherever he moved that's where he went. The answer was easy. Just take this dude on 101. He really can't play defense. It's all just hustle, right? And and fake hustle a lot of it. But he didn't do it. So Delivadova just played defense hard for 5 seconds because he knew the screen was coming. That was going to relieve him of the duty. They they Set a screen coming. they trap the screen, take the ball out of Steph's hands, and he starts moving. It was the perfect game plan for somebody who wants to just guard Steph hard for five seconds. But game three, they switched it up. They brought the pick and roll, put it up higher. David Lee was a much more of a threat on that pick and pop, but Steph started getting downhill off that screen. He would take the high screen, build some steam, weave around it, and was able to collapse the defense that way. They figured that out in Game 3, almost came back. Uh, it made it interesting, but they had their game plan for Game 4, and this led to them starting Andre Iguodala in Game 4. And everybody knows that that's what changed the series. June 11th, they go with the small ball from the start. Iguodala starting. Draymond Green is now setting the high screen, but the floor is spread. They can't trap Steph so easily. Lots of Sean Livingston. And David Lee was now in the rotation. That was the seven-man rotation at that point. So the Warriors won game three pretty handily, 103-82. The scoring was so balanced, especially in the fourth quarter. It was all over the floor. Iguodala hit a couple big threes, and pretty much they, they figured out the Cavs at that point. But the biggest game of the series and one of the most underrated games in Steph Curry's career was Game 5. It was in Oakland. The Warriors had never been in this position before. A Game 5 of the site. This is the only the only more pivotal game than Game 5 is Game 7. 2-2, two, two, Game 5 is everything, right? That's that's the huge thing. I remember growing up, Game 5 was everything. This is going to determine the series right here. Because whoever now somebody has a chance at home, and if you somehow survive, it only sets up Game 7. But Game 5, you usually win Game 5, you win the series. And The Warriors uh, found themselves in a shootout between Steph Curry and LeBron James. Now, I know they didn't have Kyrie, and I know they didn't have Kevin Love, but that didn't really matter at the end of the third quarter. At the end of the third quarter, there was but a game. That's what it was. It was a game. The Warriors were up a little bit, like five or six and him and LeBron and Steph just started going at each other. LeBron had 16 in the quarter. He hit three threes. He was six for 13. He played 11 minutes. Steph played 9:23. He had 17 points. And he just matched every bucket. LeBron was amazing that game. He was amazing. Amazing. 40 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists. But like in the fourth quarter, Steph just simply outdueled him. There's just no other way to put it. He outdueled him. Steph finished with 37 points, seven rebounds, four assists. He was seven for 13 from three, and that's when he pulled out the Thea's face and he's dancing on, you know, crossing up Vadova, hitting step back threes. And in the in the biggest game of his life, uh, the Warriors won 101 104 91 game five. That set up game six. At that point, it's over. And the reason it's over is because he forces them to overreact to him. This is why he's the finals MVP. He forces them to overreact. So now, the shots that Iguodala's getting are wide open. You know who had a great series after that? Draymond. <laughs> Draymond started balling too. He, he started getting it done, especially on offense. Uh, he had 17 in game five. Draymond was like, all right, game five and game six, he was a key on offense. So there you have it. The Warriors, on June 16th, on Tupac's birthday, clinched their first title since 1975. Andre Iguodala was the Finals MVP on June 19th. One of the greatest days in Oakland history. It was a beautiful day. I mean, it was perfect weather. Everybody, the, the full diversity of Oakland was out in full force, from the hills to the hood, to the gentrified everybody was chilling by the lake together, and it was so small and so crowded that you couldn't even separate. You just had to, you just had to kick it, and it was a perfect day. Uh, the Warriors parade in Oakland, July ninth, the end of the David Lee era, and I know some people were very hurt by it, but you know I, I really don't think. Look, David Lee, obviously his game has some flaws with it, but. I do think he was uh he was an integral part of building what the Warriors have. He he was the first one to set it off. So he, he made Steph he didn't waste Steph's growth years. He made Steph's growth years relevant. He made sure the Warriors had at least two players, at least until Clay got good. So that that was critical. It wasn't just Steph and a bunch of trash. He had uh he had a, a pretty good player with him in David Lee. So uh David Lee gets traded to Boston for Gerald Wallace and on the same day they signed Draymond Green to a contract extension. So, this was like definitely a change of the guard. Uh, July 21st, this is interesting. This is the start of the rampant and the, the hatred of Steph. <laughs> on July 24th, 1st, so mad that Steph Curry won the MVP over James Harden or was going to win. The NBA Players Union start their own awards. And on July 21st, on BET, they named Steph, they named James Harden as their MVP and they named Steph Curry the clutch performer of the year. <laughs> but it's like, the one year Steph wins it, they're like, yeah, we don't like this award no more. Let's create our own. That that <laughs> That's where you knew like, yeah, they don't really like this dude to shining. So that takes us to 2015. Now, something else happens. I don't know the exact date, but Steve Kerr has back surgery. He was struggling with his back through the finals run. He decided to have surgery. There's a complication to the surgery. Some of his spinal fluid leaks into a system and it's just it causes debilitating pain and injury, right? So Steve Kerr is is jacked up this whole time. So much so that he can't coach to start the season. So October thirty first, Luke Walton ends up being the coach. Luke Walton comes off the bench to lead the Warriors, the defending champion Warriors on the defense of their title. Now, I'm sorry, October 27th was game one. So he started the season and he did the first 43 games. He was 39 and four. (laughs) That's crazy, right? Now remember over the summer, the Warriors were lucky, right? Like that was the talking point. They were lucky to win a championship fluke. Everybody was hurt. They were the healthiest team LeBron had ever seen. Doc Rivers said they got lucky. They didn't have to play the, the the Clippers or the Spurs, so they were lucky. So this is a Warriors team that was bent on, like, proving that their championship was valid. On October 31st in New Orleans, the uh, Steph Curry unanimous MVP campaign begins in earnest. He, he goes for 34 – he goes for 40 on opening night. But in New Orleans, he drops 53 <laughs> – And it's one of them crazy 53s. He's eight for 14 from three. He has 53 points on 27 shots. The Warriors score 134 points. And mostly what happened in this game was Anthony Davis started guarding Steph. He would switch out onto him on the perimeter. He was ready for the trap. And he was out at the three point line. And he's like, you know, he's got the wingspan of eternity. So he could contest the shots. So what Steph learned in this game, and I wrote this in Golden. He can step back. He can shoot from 30 foot. He tried it one time. He was like 32 feet away. And Anthony Davis was at the three-point line. So he just pulled up from there and hit it. And nobody complained. Steve Curry didn't complain about it, right? So he was just like, yeah, I can do this. And that's when Curry started shooting from longer, shooting from further away because the defense was guarding the line. So that that was a pretty revelatory re- moment for Steph in that game. December 11th. 2015. We're gonna end 2015 with the double overtime win at Boston. You know what that did? That capped the Warriors' 24 straight win to start the season. They were 24 and 0, and they had won their last 28 dating back to the regular to the to the last season. So one of the longest streaks ever, but the longest streak to open the season. 24 and 0. They would lose to Milwaukee the next game. On the road, every the Milwaukee fans were had on T-shirts that said twenty four and one, and Milwaukee they were hyped. This was this was big for them. They they were gonna end the Warriors' streak, uh, and they they were actually pretty good too. Uh, Michael Carter Williams was the point guard, and he was just long and irritating, and he 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 caused problems for the Warriors. Then they came to Oracle and gave the Warriors some fits there. <laughs> so Milwaukee was a problem, but yeah, they ended the streak. But that streak was a big deal. You know why? because it got me the book deal. <laughs> yes. When they were 22 and 0s when I got the call like hey you want to write this this book on Curry? The 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 streak made the Warriors so hot that somebody called and offered me a book. Right right on, y'all, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm with that. That takes us to 2016, January 18th. The Warriors go to Cleveland, right? In a rematch of or well, the first time since they clinched the championship there and before the game, either a shoot around, because that shoot around before the game, Steph Curry causes a little controversy because he says, I can still smell the champagne. And of course, all the Cavaliers people got mad about it. So they settled it on the court, and the Warriors won by 34. <laughs> and this is where it was like, here's, just what I remember, the Warriors were just, they were 24 and all they were so far ahead of everybody that we were just looking for good games. At that point, we were like, yo, can we, let's just get a good game. They were sitting fourth quarters, right? It was all garbage time. We were just like, yo, can anybody beat this team? So this was one of the good games, and they just destroyed Cleveland. Steph had 35 points or so 18 shots. Clay didn't even do that. Clay had 15, only took 11 shots. Iguodala had 20 off the bench. I mean, it was a, it was a slaughter. It was a destruction. LeBron, 7 for 16 for 16 points. And I think he was tired. I think this was right before he took his two weeks off. He kind of needed to rest. Uh, and you know, he earned it. I think he had gone to like five or six straight finals at that point. But yeah, it was a destruction. So then it was like, yeah, they can't, they can't beat them. Who's next? Who can beat them? Which takes us to January twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. The best record of two combined teams, and I think in NBA history, the Warriors were forty and four. The Spurs were thirty eight and six. Finally, can we get a game? We've been waiting for a good game. We've been waiting for something riveting. Finally, Warriors-Spurs, Kawhi balling, LaMarcus Aldridge balling. Guess what happens? The Warriors win by 30. It's another, it's another destruction. Uh, Steph Curry has 37. He was 12 for 20 from the field. The Warriors bench, Spates had 12, Livingston had 13, Rush had 13. It was a slaughter. And remember, Kawhi was supposed to shut stuff down. And then they brought Jonathan Simmons off the bench to shut stuff down. He just was in one of them grooves. You were not, you were not touching him at that point. Nobody was touching him. Warriors won by 30. Then we're like, can we get a game? Can we get a game? We can't get a good game this year? Is that, is that what we're doing? Which takes us to February 27th. What might be the greatest regular season game in NBA history, the Warriors at Oklahoma City Thunder. This game had everything. Steph breaks the record for threes in this game. He makes 12. He hits the uh, game-winning three from like 39 feet out. (laughs) He scores 46 points, hits 12 threes, and he wins it in overtime on the most ridiculous buzzer beater, that's ever been taken like a regular three. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry with six tenths of a second remaining. He literally pulled up from 39 feet like it was a free throw and won the game. And then he did a mash of the Seawalk and the Bernie lean. (laughs) That was kind of nuts. All right, April 13th, the next big game. This is – a lot was happening in this game. This is when the Warriors clinched 73 wins. Oracle was a straight-up party that night. It was – Memphis Grizzlies was, was in town. Matt Barnes was on the team. And they just, for no reason, just decided to trounce the Memphis – like they were out there styling and strutting. Steph breaks the sets uh, – hits the 400 threes mark, finishes with 402. But he gets to 400 in this game. He also – he look at his numbers, dude. 46 points, 15 for 24 shooting, 10 for 19 from three. Like, that's nuts. Steph's offensive rating in that game was 161. <laughs> that means, like, his team would have scored 161 points on 100 possessions in that game. That's what he was on page four. I mean, it was insane. So he clinched the leading scorer in the league that game. He clinched 50-40-90 that game. And the Warriors clinched 73 wins that game. And there was just a party. It was just a party at Oracle, uh, probably the last big party at Oracle, like the last hugest party at Oracle. Nah, I would say Durant's championship, but more on that later. April twenty fourth, Curry hurts his knee. Donatus Montas Jonas. I probably botched that. Game four of the first round of playoffs falls, and he has some kind of, and he leaves a trail of sweat on the ground. Steph running behind him, slips in the sweat bends his knee a weird way, and you know sprains his uh, MCL. And it was pretty bad. He was out for a couple of weeks. But at that point, w- the Warriors championship was up in jeopardy because you didn't know what you were getting when he came back. You didn't know how he would be until he actually came back. It must be said, Clay held it down while he was out. Clay and Draymond, they held it down while he was out. As a matter of fact, in that game where he got hurt, the warriors blitzed the rockets in the second half of that fourth quarter and actually won by 27 points. <laughs> so, and Steph was bad that first half. He was rusty. He, had, he was coming off an ankle injury that kept him out since game 1. So, he wasn't good. It was a it was it was Clay and it was Draymond. They were enough to beat the rockets. Which takes us to Portland. Now, game 4, May 9th, 2016. The Warriors win Game One and Game Two easily in Oakland over Portland. Clay Thompson was amazing. Clay Thompson kind of carried the off—not kind of—he carried the offensive load. He had thirty-seven in Game One. Draymond Green twenty-three in Game One, right? Like I told you, Draymond was out here getting buckets. Game Two in Oracle, Clay Thompson had twenty-seven. Draymond Green seventeen points, fourteen rebounds, seven assists. That dude was a scorer. Draymond used to have offense, y'all. I'm telling you. Game three, the Warriors got a little scared. Steph was supposed to play Game three, but he didn't. Steve Kerr wasn't wanted to hold him out some more. He was pressuring him, so he did. Uh, the Warriors lose Game three in Portland. Dame catches fire. He goes for forty, but Clay has thirty five. Draymond had thirty seven in game. <laughs> Draymond had thirty seven in Game three. Iguodala was zero for five. Everybody else struggled outside of those two, but. 37 for Draymond in Game 3. But that kind of prompted Steph to play Game 4. The Warriors, again, they don't like stretching out series. If they won this game, they could end it. So Steph came off the bench under a minutes restriction, had 25 points uh, or had 25 minutes restriction. Sean Livingston got tossed. He got ejected for a second technical. So Steph had to start the second half. Steph sets an NBA record with seventeen points in overtime. <laughs> he uh he emphatically looks at the camera after one three and screams, I'm here, I'm back. And it was like one of those signature moments of his career, coming off injury, his knees still bother him a little bit, but man, he was he was everything. He was a difference. And it was pure adrenaline. The Warriors won that series. They went on and entered Probably the greatest series, one of the greatest series of all time. May 24th is the next date, mostly because the Warriors lost and they went down 3 1. This was the moment where they felt that they could lose. It was the first time in a long time they knew they could lose. If you were in that locker room after the game, you know that that was a team that was hit by the reality that they were going to lose that series. They probably believed they were going to win, but losing became real. They lost game one. They won game two. They got blown out in game three. And even after game three, they weren't tripping. They were like, we know we're going to win this. We're going to win game four. Then we're going to go back and win home. Like, we good. We got this. Get home court advantage back. We got this. But they got blown out in game four, and it was like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. They were like, yo. And Oklahoma City was just better. They were better. They were bigger. They were more athletic. They they had an answer that nobody else had. And you could see that team looking like it was going to lose. Which, and then these next three games are just all epic games, all epic games. May 26th is Steph playing defense at the end. You know, the Warriors Warriors win the game. Uh, It's pretty close, but the significant thing is, you know, Kevin Durant had 40 in that game, but Steph had 31. uh, uh, Clay had 27, but they won it on defense at the end. And this is the game where Russell Westbrook starts laughing when somebody asks him about Steph's defense. So he's laughing on the podium at Steph's defense, which leads us to game six where obviously game six, Clay, and that's the rewatchables. That's the one that Bill Simmons did that you should go listen to the podcast about game six against Oklahoma City. There's no better job on that than a, a thorough breakdown. So game six obviously goes down. Clay, Clay kills it. Game seven, another one of the most underrated games in Steph's career. He ended up just – he just dogged him. He just outplayed – he just outplayed he outplayed the best thunder players period 38 points 8 assists he was just unstoppable that game uh he was 7 for 12 from 3 he was doing it on defense that was his game he just took that game and he 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 beat Oklahoma City and at the end Kevin Durant and Steph Curry met at half court and hugged they hugged and they and they, and they told each other to remember these moments like it was just great to be a part of a moment like that because that series was indeed, it was epic. June 10th is game four. You know why? The Warriors were up 2-1. The first two games were a joke. They blew them out. Game three was when, like, the Warriors got destroyed. The Warriors got destroyed in game three. Uh, If I remember correctly, uh, Cleveland hit hella threes. (laughs) No, they didn't. 12 for 25 is not a lot. Yeah, the Warriors just got trounced that game. They just got blown out. I think it was by, like, 30, something like that. But game four, here's what was happening behind the scenes. Steph was getting – he was playing, and then he was getting treatment. He was playing, and then they were doing things to take out the swelling. He would play, and then he would get this treatment. He would take out the swelling on his leg. But every time he did that, it would take longer – like it would take longer for the swelling to go down. So basically the progress he was making kept deteriorating as he went along. And as you play, after game four in the finals – you play every other game, really in any playoff series. After you get through that second weekend, it's every other day. Game four, game five, game six, game seven are every other day. So you had less time in between. So game three, I remember but game four behind the scenes, Steph goes all out. Like this was the game and I was talking to his people and they were like, he, he knew if they won game three, they would win the series. So this was the game where he just he left it all out. Everything he had, he left out there. He had thirty-eight points. He got to the line ten times. He took twenty-five shots. He was seven for thirteen from three. Uh, remember, LeBron was getting desperate. He he they got into the scuffle because he just shoved Draymond for like no reason. He just like shoved him. He didn't care about getting the foul. He was disappointing his teammates. He was going bad on the bench. Like LeBron was getting desperate. He knew the series was slipping away, and he ended up you know getting that uh, stepping over Draymond, which ended up leading to a suspension. But in that game, uh, Steph took over in the fourth quarter. I know people forget this, but he had 13 points in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was the deciding quarter. Like, that's what happened. That's, that's what made the game. And he was getting to the line. He was, like, making it happen at the line. I think he had six, but he's driving. They were taking away the threes, so he was just driving. He was constantly driving on that knee. I remember somebody telling me after the game, all right, they, he got him here, they got to finish it for him cuz he's got nothing left. And it ended up being prophetic'd. prophetic. Prophetic cuz he didn't have anything left. And guess who had a lot left? LeBron James. LeBron James wasn't close to done. This is when he and Kyrie just they just took it to another level. I was just about a line. 41 points each in game 5. Draymond wasn't there, but all of it was at the rim. Just at the rim. Bogut was out. Bogut got hurt. In game five, he only played seven minutes, so they had no rim protection. Festus Azili just wasn't that good. His knees were shot. He was never going to be a factor, even though he would play a lot later, but he played just nine minutes in game five. They were they were going small, and LeBron and Kyrie was just like, all right, we're going to meet you all at the rim every time, and the Warriors just couldn't stop him. And on top of that, they couldn't make shots. There was just no Steph, – Steph was done – eight for twenty one, five for fifteen, he had twenty five points. Clay had twenty seven. Andre Godala had fifteen. That was it. That was just the offense. They couldn't score enough. They couldn't they couldn't hit a hundred and they lost one twelve to ninety seven. Which set up game six. And this is where like LeBron, you just don't he's just not losing game six at home with a chance to extend game seven. Like I'm sorry. Well he actually did the year before. But <laughs> he did he did lose at home in game six with a chance to extend game seven. But He showed up that game, 41 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds. Mostly he had other help. Kyrie had 23. J.R. Smith had 14. Tristan Thompson had 15. They barely played anybody off the bench. Richard Jefferson had 31 minutes. Uh, Kevin Love barely played 11 minutes that game. Kevin Love got taken out of that series because every time he played, Steph Curry just attacked him. And that's what was happening in Game 4. So Game 5, Game 6, Kevin Love plays 11 minutes. He barely plays. They were trying to make a charge. This is obviously when Steph gets frustrated, throws his mouthpiece, hits like a minority owner's son in the face. Aisha goes off. Aisha's wife goes off calling the game rigged on Twitter and then says uh, uh, her father was racially profiled before the game. It was just a mess. It was just a lot of a mess. It was a mess after the game. But they had Game 7 at home, and they were going to win it. But you know Game 7s are Game 7s, so... June 19th in Oakland. I know y'all can't watch this, but you should go watch it. It was an epic game. If you love basketball, it was an ugly game. It was ugly. It was terrible, especially the fourth quarter. There was a combined 31 points in the fourth quarter. The words managed just 13 points. Nobody could score, but the intensity and the drama was just incredible. The plays people were making were was just incredible. So I would say go watch it, but we know what happened. The Warriors lose. LeBron is crying on the court. And, like, the Warriors leave the court and then they come back and they give, they give LeBron his due. They show some class and come back out to the court and congratulate him. That's probably the best thing to happen to the Warriors because we know what happened on July 4th, 2016. A certain post on Players' Tribune where Kevin Durant announces he's coming to the Warriors. It's a monumental date. The Warriors went from David Lee being the biggest signing in. Like because that's that's what they could get to to literally the you know the best player in the league many would say signing with them and turning them into a dynasty that that's that's how crazy it had gotten now obviously there was this thing the meeting in the Hamptons that led all to all of that we've written about that extensively in the Athletic but let's just go through some of these moments Christmas Day 2016 Christmas Day was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many games that we could point to to point out this highlight, but you guys know all this stuff. This is for the people the people who are here. You already know this. You've been following this stuff. This, this podcast was for the real Gs who remember 2009 and 10 and 11 and 12, right? All that stuff. So this stuff, you know what happened, right? You got it. But Christmas Day was important because Steph struggled. He was He was basically giving up. The 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 reins to Kevin Durant. They were running offense to Kevin Durant, who was still very ice, uh, like like an iso player. Steph struggled. He only had eleven shots, and for the first time in my life covering him, Steph after the game said he needed to take more shots. He's like, I just can't take eleven shots. He was four for eleven. But Kevin Durant was on fire. He was cooking. He finished with thirty six and fifteen. But in the fourth quarter, uh, they just couldn't get any. They couldn't get the offense going. He was Katie was two for nine. Steph only took three shots. And it was just like it wasn't, it wasn't how they play. Uh, it was basically get the ball to KD, get out the way, and everybody was standing around. And it just didn't work. And the Warriors lost Christmas Day to a team that just wasn't better than them, period, uh, which we would come to prove. But after the game, Kevin Durant told Steph, man, you do you. Play your game. You play your game. I can play anyway. And he is so right about that. Kevin Durant is so good, he can play any style. You name the style, he can be able to play it and he told Steph to do it and that was the start of them becoming what you could make a very good case that this was the greatest team of all time because after that like it was over once they figured out the whole relationship between Steph and KD and how they were how they were operating on offense that was it that was ball game that that was the matrix was figured out at that point so they but they needed to go through that so they could have you know they needed to go through that so they could have the uh i guess the understanding of how to get each other going when it was time to get each other going that was pretty much the biggest game of 2016 you could say in there clay's 60 point game i think that was that was december 5th against indiana clay had 60 points in 29 minutes <laughs> but like beating up on the pacers I mean, 60 points to 29 minutes and like four and four dribbles is ridiculous. They, they were insane whenever they wanted to be. But let's fast forward to the playoffs. The game that was most like, my God, was game four, April 24th, 2017 against Portland. Kevin Durant was hurt for the first few games in that series and he came back. And this was like, are the Warriors going to sweep? Or, are they gonna, or is Portland going to show some fight and extend the series? Are the Warriors going to do what they do to get, to get some rest, to end the series and watch as, the, as they wait for their next opponent? Or was Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum going to get hot and show some pride and do that whole we don't want to die thing and send the series back to Oakland? With, with the Warriors who've been kind of you know, listless with no real competition as they went through the season – you know, would they uh, would they be up for it? Would they would they be inspired to vanquish them? So, in the first quarter, let's look at these numbers. The Warriors scored forty five points in the first quarter. I mean, it was a blitz. Twelve from Steph, nine from Clay Thompson, six from Draymond, seven from Kevin Durant, five from Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> I mean, it was just a blitz. Four from Javelle McGee. They just came out. They just made every shot, basically. They they bullets them. By the end of the first quarter, it was 45-22. And just like that, the game was over. It was almost like they said, all right, let's play for real, and it was over. Portland was done. And this, this was like, yo, this team is ridiculous. Like, whenever they want to, they could flip a switch, and it was over. The next one of those games was Game 3, Utah, May 6, 2017. They go into Utah. They're up 2-0, and again, this is, determined, this is the difference between you win this game, the series is over, or you lose this game, you give the other team hope, and now you extend the series. And Rudy Gobert was a bit of a problem because he was a rim protector. So the Warriors just, Mike Brown said, hey, man, this one play we do, just keep working. How about we do that? Steve Kerr was like, yeah, you know what? Let me stop complicating things. Let's just do that, what you said. So they started running high pick and roll with Rudy Gobert's man, getting Kevin Durant. On to Rudy Gobert, and it was over. Like, Rudy Gobert just could do nothing with KD out on 15 to 17 feet. So he just ran a high pick and roll, and KD just took over, and they just kept doing it, and Utah couldn't stop it. Warriors go up 3-0, and that's it. That's ball game, buddy. That's it. And they blitz through San Antonio. Kawhi gets hurt in game one. San Antonio was up big. Kawhi gets hurt in game one. The Warriors storm back. They come back from, like, a 20-point deficit. But of course everybody says, you know, Zaza's st- step slid under Kawhi's foot. And Kawhi, who already was dealing with a sprained ankle, made it worse. He was done for the series. I think it was he done forever from the Spurs? Did he go back to the No, he went back with that's right, he went back after that. But the end of his Spurs tenure was was imminent. So they won that game and that that series really wasn't much of a competition. And then we have the NBA finals. And we got game three. Another situation where up two oh you got a chance to end the you got a chance to steal their hope. And the game is tight. And Kevin Durant is coming down the lane, down down the left side in the final moments. And he pulls up for three over LeBron James and he hits the biggest shot of his life to clinch game three and basically wrap up the season. Wrap up the finals. <laughs> Shot clock at five. Kevin Durant way outside delivers. Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. They got blown out in game a game four. Cleveland will hit like 98 threes to like not be the worst, the first team ever to get. Sw- they stopped the Warriors from being the first team ever to go 16 and 0 in the playoffs, but they they were on fire. 24 for 45 from three was Cleveland. So they ended up forcing the game five. But that just meant Oracle got to celebrate his first championship at Oracle because game five, it was it was just a formality. Uh, the Warriors dominated and they they got their revenge. Kevin Durant got his first championship. LeBron had 41, 13, 41, 13 rebounds, eight assists. Steph had 34 and 10 assists. KD had 39. Clay only had 11. Uh, Andre Iguodala had 20 off the bench. This was the end of the perfect season. This was they were the perfect season in many ways. And that the rest you know. The rest you know. You know what happened next. This is all everybody's caught up on what has happened with the Warriors. You know in 20 uh 18 they run it back and win again. You know in 20 in November <laughs> November 12th of 2018 Kevin Durant and Draymond Green getting to a yelling match on the court that pretty much uh confirms Kevin Durant's suspicions that he should leave KD gets hurt Clay gets hurt and they lose the finals and here's where we are now (laughs) it's been a quite the journey it's been an incredible decade of basketball when I first started covering the Warriors I never thought I'd see this it was Mike Montgomery and you know Derek Fisher, Adonna Foyle, Speedy Claxton, and Demarcus Nelson starting the opening night at point guard, and it was just you know Mikey Moore, it was just a bunch of a bunch of names like that. But it was quite the decade. I hope you enjoyed this all decade podcast. It's hella long, but hey, you'll be all right. Until next time, we'll see you on Warriors Plus Minus.